any like trailer park boys weed operations in the south? There, was. No, there are definitely like a lot. Like I've smoked, I've smoked a lot of that weed. <laughs> I mean, there's a lot of meth houses like that. There is. Oh, that- I I could have gotten meth into like when I was living in Tennessee, I could have gotten meth anywhere I wanted. Like, but it wouldn't have been like what you see on Breaking Bad. That's for sure. It would I mean, have been. Like- like all the homegrown weed that I grew up smoking was like in somebody's garden, like in whole, like in in HG or something like that, where there was like absolutely no farmland whatsoever. Like people were just like literally growing it. Like if they're like pro, they have like a hydro system and a closet or something. But like half the time, it's just like in a pot. It's a potted plant in their fucking mom's backyard. Like yeah. I never met anybody who grew weed outside in the South. Maybe like, I'm trying to think if like I heard rumors of people in high school, but it would be like a closet situation with like a a grow lamp. I mean, it's literally a weed. It's like, you should like. I don't know. I like, I think that I'm a pretty smart person. I'm not a genius or anything, but like. When I look uh, looked up, like I had this moment, like once it was decriminalized in Virginia, I was like, I'll grow it myself. And like I grow herbs and like plants and stuff in the backyard, like like uh, vegetables and stuff. And I was like, I'll be able to grow weed at home. And then I looked up like a guide and I was like, what the fuck? I don't yeah. know what any of that shit is. I don't know. Like it was like male, male, you need to get it to flowering. And then of course it's like, you have to spend 150 to get this kit to guarantee that it'll grow and all this other shit. And I was like, how are people doing this? And I go on Instagram and I follow all these like Virginia grower accounts of dudes who smoke weed. They're the, du- like, they're the dumbest people ever. They, they have like, they post pictures of like, you know, the grateful dead bear dancing and high. <laughs> and like, I'm like, they're smarter than me. Cause I, I don't know because they're all growing tons of weed and i don't know how to do anything well they're savants it's the one thing they're passionate about yeah it's like ricky and trailer park boys it's like yeah right (laughs) i I mean but i mean like yeah if you want like really heady shit yeah yeah you're gonna have to like pay attention to it but if you just want like whatever shitty weed you're buying in high school like yeah like the weed i was buying in high school like did not have like didn't look like it was dusted with rainbows and shit. Yeah, was, there's like no purple ditch. hairs coming out of it. Like, yeah, it was ditch weed for sure. It was like yeah, it was, like I guess we're hanging. spoiled. What's that? We're spoiled. Like the weed that I buy now, like from dealers, it's like it's this strain. Here's the percentages of indica to sat. <laughs> yeah, to, to, and like, it's, it's it's so much stronger. It's so it's like it's so much stronger. Uh, which is weird because I used to get so much higher when I was a kid. I guess it's because, like, my brain was still soft and developing or whatever. That's what they say. They say that, like, the first time you get high is the highest you'll ever get. I don't know if that's oh, true. Oh, no, not true at all. That's about crack. Yeah, that's, about- that's about crack. It, like, yeah. <laughs> weed, I, I think with most people, weed, the first time you try it, it doesn't work. Yeah, you then yeah. gradually. I don't even I remember. remember. I'm trying to remember the first time I smoked weed. It was with my high school boyfriend's, like, older brother. I know who it was with, but I'm trying to remember the situation. And he was like, and he was like, he was like, I'm not going to do this to you, Jennifer, but you can chew the cherry kiss with Chase. And that was my boyfriend. I guess he won't care if I say his name. It's, it's like he'll li- ever listen. You can edit it for my name instead. It's fine. <laughs> and I, and he, and he was like, do the ki- the thing where he like, he has like the um, pipe and he blow blows back. it into, Yeah. Yeah. And I was like, oh, and it was like this fucking like modern day lady in the tramp situation. 
I um the first time I ever did weed. Uh, did weed? <laughs> did weed? Exactly. Yeah, that's that's the, that's the important part because I didn't smoke it. I was. Oh I was, really? I was fourteen, so I didn't. I didn't. Did you inject it? No, I was like, I don't want it to smell on me. So I was like, what do they? What do other people do with drugs? Like, oh, they snort it. So <laughs> yeah, 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 so I, I, I crumbled it up, snorted it. I think I was like, it was like behind the gym at school. Um, and then like somebody like told on us or something. I got called in the office like later. That's I denied it. At least just, you didn't smell like weed. Exactly. Exactly. It was after. It was after. Like I got called in like the the following Monday or something like that because somebody had said that the person who gave it to me had weed and saw it and they told. I don't know. There was something going on at that school. One uh, of my friends got arrested because he had a like a little pipe in his backpack and he was showing people <laughs> like an idiot well that's dumb yeah yeah well, what's, what, what do you get arrested for that what it's not yeah. having a pipe isn't illegal i mean he was also a brown person so i mean oh there you go okay yeah oh <laughs> that's God. really illegal yeah so they yeah it's like the kid with the clock in his high school um yeah yeah, yeah. uh yeah so oh, I, I forgot about that kid that sucks yeah I remember that story really like got to me. I was like, Jesus Christ, people! Oh, the horrible. kid with the clock, yeah, yeah. That uh, what's his why. name? Who was who's the new atheist that got upset? Richard Dawkins was like obsessed with debunking him. The kid with How the- did Dawkins become? So- I mean, maybe he was just always an asshole, but he used to strike me as somebody who was like, like a like an academic, so he didn't have any like weird. I guess fame gets to you no matter who you are. Like a lot of Western academics are giant assholes. Yeah. Hey. Hi. Uh, how's it going? Did not connect to audio. It said this is what happens every single time. Sarah's connecting to audio. Sarah connected to audio. Hello. Hi. 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 <laughs> <laughs> You're like a professional podcaster now. Oh yeah! Look at my setup. Yeah. I got a microphone, headphones, uh, everything. The first time uh, I talked to you, you like were like living like off the grid almost somewhere in like the mountains. Like you barely had internet. We had to talk over the course of like three days. <laughs> <laughs> I know. <laughs> that sucked. <laughs> <laughs> what the hell happened? Like, like this seems like you when I contacted you about this, you were like on five or six podcasts over the past two weeks. Like this seems like all you do now. <laughs> Uh, people love talking to me. It's, it's a sickness that they have. Honestly, I don't know. It's uh, you all are in on it. You caught it somehow. <laughs> yeah. Vampiric allure that you've got going on. <laughs> yeah, we can't help yeah. but invite you in. I swear, I don't know. I, yeah, people just can tell how much I love to hear the sound of my own voice, and they just enable me at every turn. I don't know what it Very is. Cool. What are you talking about? Like on all these places, like what the hell? I it amazes me now. How, I mean, there were a lot of podcasts when I started doing this like seven years ago, but now yeah. it seems like there's just I don't know. Like it seems like literally everybody has one now. I know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I didn't I honestly even intend to get into podcasting. It just <laughs> kind of did the same thing that it does for everybody, where it just happens one day and. Um, I'm lucky enough to work with a sound engineer. So the sound oh. engineer set me up with a bunch of gear because <laughs> she was like, please, God, <laughs> use this. <laughs> it makes my job significantly easier. Yeah. yeah. That would be the main reason I stopped doing this again. It's just because I don't want to edit it. <laughs> like, 
it's just so exhausting to bitches on <laughs> yeah i would if i was I gonna to say bitches it. on comics would not exist <laughs> sorry the four four people talking um i was yeah yeah bitches impossible would never happen it's we do uh episodes every two weeks and even that we used to do uh one a week and we were like we're tired (laughs) yeah exhausting we do this when we feel like it (laughs) like we just we reach out to people and like they respond whenever they're available and then we just do it then and then (laughs) i edit it when i have time and then i put it up whatever day of the week that is that i have time to edit it (laughs) that's what our patreon is like i don't know i think people expect us to have a schedule and we just it's it's on me so there's no way like i'm just like i don't get paid for this i'm like doing this for free like i can't i can't do things for free and on a schedule like i can't do both those things right i I can do things for free yeah and i can do things on a schedule but i can't do both at the same time that's how my sub stack is run mine is free and so it's like this if this is what I, you want i believe you <laughs> you're gonna have to wait well who's even paying like i mean i pay for your podcast even though i admit i've never listened to it um just because like i feel like i should yeah. i paid for jennifer's newsletter before even when she wasn't even sending it to like if i know people that are making things i will just give them money occasionally same. yeah yeah <laughs> but like i feel like like that I feel like that's a lot of that's, that's kind of what the Patreon is about, right? Yeah, I mean that's what like anybody's is. It seems it's like it's mostly like they if they have family that knows they do stuff, unlike me, like I, their family will sign up. But then otherwise, it's just like people, other people like us that are also making stuff, and it just seems this self-contained economy where nobody actually makes money because we're all just spending <laughs> it on each other. Yeah, I only get paid through corporations. Swear to God, that's it. Yeah. Those as a creative, that they're the only people who pay, and that's fine because <laughs> they have a ton of money. So I'm like, give me a cut of that. And then I'll do my own stuff on the side. Not on a schedule, though. Is that your writing that you're getting paid for? I imagine. Yeah. (laughs) I do some stuff that's either low paid or not paid. But it's pretty rare these days because if it's if it's unpaid, then I'm just doing it for myself. Like I'll do, um, you know, like work on my publishing company or something instead of trying to help somebody else build their website, I guess. <laughs> you have a publishing company now? Yeah. <laughs> what are you doing now exactly? I, like I know even then you were busy and I want to follow about some of the stuff you told me about then that never happened. But Never. Um, yeah, yeah, there's so many things that just kind of went awry. I think a part of it was that I was having to move like all of the time. I was out of... <laughs> I was out of Denver. I was like traveling a lot and uh, there were like kind of longer term projects that I just never could make work because, you know, if it involves more than one person, yeah, hard. (laughs) And then if it is one of those things where you need like a sustained attention span for it, you can't do that whenever you're moving everywhere. So a lot of things got backburnered or just like any number of chaotic undergoings like I was working on a movie for a long time but the person who was in charge of the data uh just like deleted it by accident (laughs) one day and it was uh one of those things where you're like oh 
yeah, of course I should have kept a backup and not trusted this person, <laughs> but like, but it's one of your friends, right. You know, so yeah. that's kind of it. You, you start to kind of understand more as time goes on, like which friends you can work with, and <laughs> which ones you're like, I thought you said that was backed up. How'd you delete every single thing? Was that's that the queer Western? Yeah, yeah. yeah. It was, oh we God. did so much filming for it, too. It was such a pain in the ass. And then this guy was just like, oh, it's like the files got corrupted or something. And I'm like, what? Oh, my God. You can just, like, back it up? Like, what? Yeah. Or, like, has have, like, a physical copy of it. Like, on like, so keep, like, the SD card or whatever and just get another one and keep filming on that. And, you oh know. My God. Yeah. I would never thing. get over that. <laughs> Yeah, I think I like didn't want to. <laughs> I was like, I would like actually not to get over this, but there was a lot of things where um, I had to, right? Because it's like either you have to get over it, or you know, basically just quit everything, which was on the table for yeah. a hot second. And I did restructure my life like quite a bit. Like now, I have partners that you know don't delete everything. <laughs> but yeah, I have a lot my partnerships have changed. Like a lot of the aim that I was going through, like I started working for sci-fi, I think was a big uh, like turning point for me it was whenever I was working for them. Um, I was doing a lot of like feminist criticism and stuff mm -hmm. like that on uh, pop culture projects. And um, that was chaotic too. Like a bunch of things fell through the whole, um, the whole branch got like laid off one day. It was like two days before Thanksgiving <laughs> and, <I first> used <laughs> and to they that. were like, we yeah. have a mandatory meeting. And it was like, what could that be about? It can't be good. Cause we never had one of those before. And then, um, <laughs> you show up and they're just like, everybody's crying and you're just like, Dang. Yeah. Corporations, right? Like they're yeah. rough. Cause they're like, well, we're going to try a diversity. And then like three months later, they're like, Ooh, don't like the diversity angle anymore. <laughs> we're going to go ahead and uh, fire everybody. Oh, did you move over here for yeah. that? Huh? <laughs> wish you hadn't do that. I mean, we did make it a requirement of the job, but wish you hadn't done that. Like that was, you shouldn't have believed us. All you were doing. I didn't have to move. I was like working. Oh, from okay. Home, but I was going to say, all you were doing was like criticism online. Like, I can't imagine them making you move for that, though. I know they do. Like, the AV club just did that, just fired everybody because they wouldn't move to LA. <laughs> I know. Yeah, it's wild. And it's all going to be from your computer at home. Nobody wants you in the office any more than you want to be in the office. Yeah. Like, oh, my God. Yeah. So lots of things have happened. <laughs> you said, what are you doing now? And I just went on a tangent about things that happened like four years ago. I mean, um, I'm still curious about them because like you tell me about all these cool things over the years and then I just wait for them and I never hear anything about them. <laughs> some of them come into being and some of them don't basically. Right. So whatever yeah. happened to the um to the one woman show you did that you were going to film? <laughs> Like, I never filmed it, okay. <laughs> <laughs> but I did it. We did a oh, tour. Yeah. Um, I did a tour more specifically, and it was a really good tour, actually. It, it was, sounded uh, cool. <laughs> the maybe second or third time I was ever in Minneapolis, and I live there now. So oh, cool. That was Ooh. good. <laughs> and what about um? Just I might as well just rattle through them. There's one other thing. Uh, we both told each other that we were going to be doing um audio drama podcast and then i never did mine did you ever do yours mine's coming up yeah it's oh, like it is? literally okay. dropping at the end of november so <laughs> oh sweet yes is it, like, doing... is it like a play like a radio play or 
Yeah. Um, it's a horror podcast and oh. it's going to be kind of an extension. Like my publishing company does, a, a speculative fiction anthology. It's for queer creators and, um, the, it can be fantasy horror, whatever the podcast is just horror, but, um, there's like little segments within it. Like there's a lot of short stories and then there's a like series that we'll have. So we're going to do like four episodes that are short stories that appeared in Decoded, but they're horror stories. And then Oh, Decoded, right. Yeah. And then we're going to see, I did a bunch of things. But yeah, I, know, I, know. I, I always see you doing everything. things. Yeah, um, there's specific things I remember that I wouldn't Yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, definitely. There were definitely times of being like, oh, that went awry. And if like a movie goes awry, then you're like, oh, that was so much work. Like, yeah. you just don't even, uh, you don't want to do another thing. That's why I was like, corporation pay me. Like, that's where I'm at. <laughs> but um, yeah, afterwards, it was is, um we'll be doing a, a haunted hotel story right so that's going to go for like well into 2023 oh cool yeah that's awesome uh, i know <laughs> I, I heard your, I, uh you you were on uh, the no sleep podcast right uh, i was. Could, was a small light right was that yeah, your... yeah 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 I loved that story. I loved their the way that they did it. I thought that I, they were two of my favorite actors on the show. Uh, oh, nice. So I loved hearing them read it. There's no, um, like, there's not a ton of communication <laughs> between you and the team. They're like, yeah. basically, eight months down the line, they're like, we accepted it. We'll pay you whenever it goes live. Oh, uh, yeah, then, that's what I was thinking. It sounded like it was just people submitting stuff, and they just kind of yeah. run with whatever they get. Yeah, yeah. Well, they... Um, Definitely. I've submitted to them so many times. So that one is like this wild, like, Ooh, that one worked out. But like I've submitted and gotten so many stories denied through them, oh, okay. which is fine because I go through, like I'm, I get published elsewhere. Right. Mm -hmm. But, um, so it's not like reliant, but it's definitely one of those things where it's like, it's always a special treat. If like something that's like that big, like takes on your story. Um, because I love that podcast. I'd been listening to mm -hmm. it for years and years and years so uh, that's awesome yeah i like bought all of the season so it was basically just them giving me back like <laughs> three <laughs> seasons worth of money or something I'm i like, mean thanks growing up that was like always my dad's deals like he would never get a lot of money for his films but he'd be like well you had you release like all these buster keaton films and stuff like this collection can i just get that anyway so <laughs> you're just doing the longer form version of that i guess <laughs> Like, oh, thanks for the money back, I guess. Um, yeah. <laughs> or like you just get a discount, essentially. It's like that's fine. I think I think all the stuff that I got published in, I just my payment was I would like just get them for free. Yeah. Totally. I don't know if I even would have like bought it. Like honestly, <laughs> sometimes. Yeah. I love to, I mean, I love anthologies. I've always been a big fan yeah. of them. So anytime one pops up, like chances of me buying it, pretty strong. Reading it in the bathtub. I mean, because then you can, it's like, what, five, 10 pages for every story, That's read it true. while you're in the bathtub. And then you're just like, okay, I've had enough. And it, you it, you can break it up really easily. So I do love an, a good anthology. So I do buy a lot of the ones that I'm part of if like they don't give contributor copies, but it's also like, give me a copy. Like you should just give me a copy. Are they working horror anthologies? Yeah, yeah. I was okay. in um like a handful of them. I've been in um like Fiend in the Furrows, which is a mm. folk horror uh collection. They're doing their third and final edition right now, and it's through this place 
called Nose Touch Press, and they're like an independent press in um, Chicago. And then there's a Minneapolis press uh, that did this uh, anthology that was called The New Flesh, which is a tribute to <laughs> David Cronenberg oh, movies. Awesome. <laughs> like you might yeah. guess from the name, right? Yeah. Um, but that was, it was, that was my first short story that got like published, published where like, I actually got a paycheck for it and all of that. So nice. yeah. Yeah. All your, um, your paid, uh, writing gigs are new, right? Cause like, I remember you complaining on, I remember you, like when you started the sci-fi, I guess, and we were talking on Twitter about the fact that like, you never wanted to be a writer that you kept trying to avoid it. And then it just ended up being the thing that worked out. It's a thing that pays me money. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. That's basically what happens is like, I was a musician for a long time. Now I still like tool around with music, but it's not even remotely my focus at this point. And it's because I never, like you just never get money out of it. So yeah. it's like, you'll get enough maybe to get town to town and like all of that. But it just seemed like it was way too much work. And I'm glad I had kind of like gotten ahead. Like the pandemic seemed like it was... <laughs> Talking to musicians during the pandemic was like weird because, of course, I'm still friends with tons of musicians. And um, you're like, hey, how are you going? How, how are things? And they're just like literally like laying in like their sweatpants, like covered in <laughs> Cheetos, just being like, I don't know. Nobody's had a conversation with me over PBRs in months. And just like, <laughs> I remember like like notable indie bands, too. I think uh I forget what band it was. I heard about like started Patreons and stuff like of Montreal yeah. even started the Patreon. I remember during the pandemic, like, uh, cause yeah, it was just like, what the hell else were they supposed to do? Like they get some res if they are established, they get some uh, money back from their, from their labels and stuff, but not a lot. Like, <laughs> I know. Yeah. It's all dependent because isn't that such like the, um, like kind of the scam of the music industry is what you end up getting money off of is always your concerts. Like you don't really get money off of your records or mm -hmm. anything along those lines. Right. So when the live performance aspect is gone, it's like, well, <laughs> right. It's like on. the Rolling Stones or t-shirt <laughs> salesmen, essentially like, yeah. <laughs> or at least yeah. they were, they probably get much more money now than they used to, but, uh, <laughs> yeah, I imagine, but um, even even really famous musicians really just it's you're it's always a little bit shocking how little money they make <laughs> from their record deals you're like oh yeah I, I remember um in a frank zappa's autobiography he talked about he broke up the the uh mothers of invention because he was doing a festival and uh duke ellington was there too and he heard him begging the promoters for money to buy a sandwich and he was just like not doing a big band anymore. Can't Holy do it. <laughs> <Not gonna play. laughs> oh my God. That's, that's a fucking bummer. Yeah. <laughs> Ellington. Like, oh. Yeah. yeah. Jesus Christ. Oh, man. It's really, yeah. I, it's really weird when you, like, I still, you still see some of those guys. Like, I saw Odie and Pope recently um, playing with uh, Emmanuel Wilkins, I think is the new guy from Upper Darby's name and this dutch drummer and it's like 20 bucks per ticket and it's just like this small set and it's like this guy played with fucking everybody and uh they like it seems like they still just got to keep performing into their 80s and 90s just to keep living that long <laughs> like i know yeah yeah they're like well what else am i gonna do <laughs> yeah <laughs> that's kind of how it felt like at a certain point where it's like hey i'm getting like i'm almost 40 now i'm 39 and so like the idea 
I think around the time of being like 34, every time I would play a show, everybody being in their twenties, I was like, <laughs> I don't want to do this anymore. <laughs> like, yeah. Even just going to shows retiring. now at 34. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That was it. Even now. Yeah. I, it's hard to go to a show because I'm like, I don't, it's like always weird. Right. Because it's like, there's plenty of people I know whenever I was in my 20s, people who would be in like their 40s, 50s, who would still be going to shows. And you're always like, that's so awesome. That person's like my favorite person, you know, like you love it. You're like, this is cool, right? But then being that person, I'm like, what did you see in this scenario? Because you're talking to somebody who's like 25 or something and you're just like yeah that's this is cute and all but like yeah. I, got cat, I gotta get back to my cats I, I started to feel that like i think when i was 25 because i was yeah still going, oh like, yeah fun clubs and, and like and i was like i i can't go into the pit these are children like that sounds horrible i feel like i'm going to a ball pit throwing hands yeah i saw av tear a few years ago like i was 31 32 maybe and uh it was like sold out and it was just like teenagers like i don't even know how the fuck they yeah. do solo work but uh um yeah it was just like i feel like everybody here probably thinks i'm like some creep trying to pick up teenagers like i just don't <laughs> yeah. feel like a person anymore I just <laughs> the last time i went to see animal collective like we walked under the show the three of us all just complaining about how cold it was like <laughs> <laughs> freezing, right like, oh my god i i um got married at 20 and then had two kids by 25 so i missed out on everything you guys have just talked about the last show i went to was with rob and i and it was like just my favorite band and it was like their last show ever like i don't and i told rob i was like i my favorite in fact this is my favorite interaction of the trip maybe is i was like i told rob i was like this is the first only band i've ever seen live more than once and he go and rob is just like I've seen bands I hate like seven times. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think so too. And that's it. Like I was like, maybe if I hadn't been going to shows, like it was my job for like my yeah. the entire yeah. day of my twenties, maybe I would feel differently. Also, what's better than you just grab a drink at the bar? Like then now I get to be like a bar person who's like hanging way back on the yeah. balcony or something. And I'm just yeah. like, I don't have to dance. That's like, so I, don't... Much, I think that's so much better too. Like, yeah. Me, like, I was hung back. Down now? Yeah. Like, don't... That's yeah, I never vibe. actually wanted to go up, honestly. Like I was 19 and I would be standing in the back of like Boris, like sitting on the ground because it's too hot for me because <laughs> it's a I church know. basement with no air conditioning in the middle of september or something but uh yeah i don't know i uh yeah you started going to shows when you were like like your parents like took you to shows when you were like little though right yeah no it's funny we were just talking about your first show yesterday i was trying to think like yeah i guess my first show was uh u2 zoo tv tour with um is jurassic five opening when i was four in 1992 (laughs) and uh awesome yeah not the u2 but well, yeah, but I, yeah, I remember like being at the Rock Hall uh, when they inducted Robert Johnson, I guess, or doing some kind of celebration. Robert Johnson, I remember like meeting Bob Weir and uh, G Love and stuff, and Honey Boy Edwards, and like tang these rock clubs and being down in Mississippi and juke joints. <laughs> like, I guess this is like all I knew basically is uh, when I became a teenager and I and like I didn't have friends, I was like, I need something to do. It's like, well, I like all these bands, I'm just gonna start doing this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah uh, yeah i don't 
Yeah, I, I think as I get older, the thing I like more is just going to movies. Cause oh my same. god, yeah, I, best. <laughs> oh man, me that's me and Ty. Ty had my uh, what one of my partners, Ty, has this um, the what is it? What did you call it? The movie subscription. It's only through Regal Cinemas, so we always have to go to Regal Cinemas. Yeah. But he has the membership, so now our weekly date, while Daniel <laughs> takes or my husband takes my kids to Boy Scouts, is that we go to fucking we go to the fucking movies every monday on a weekday like the movie has to start at seven we don't start the movie <laughs> at 10 we and we just fucking like sit there and watch a movie yeah. in fact this, do, you, do you sneak in food i sneak in drinks i, I sneak in drinks, drinks. Oh, okay. I, I, i'm a big when i ever since i was pregnant with my first kid i became a doubt my my craving for movie theater popcorn could not be satiated by homemade popcorn could not be satiated by bag popcorn like nothing so ever since then like popcorn is probably like my favorite like that's half of the movies reason i go to the movies yeah so. how do you not finish how do you how do you stop yourself from finishing the popcorn before the movie starts I don't. I just yeah, don't. okay, okay. So yeah. there's, there's no way around it. Who, who am I, I there to impress? It's not like I'm with like I'm with like my partner of five years. I'm not with like a on a first date trying to be dainty. Like well, even though oh, no, I be more <laughs> yeah. And then and then like and then I eat so much so quickly that I feel sick like <laughs> by like the first half of the movie, and I'm like, oh, like well, never you stay mind. Grounded in your you body, like half a cup of oil at that point. It's yeah. Like, yeah, but it's like self-harm. It's like that's how you stay in your body. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And and I'm a big like I'm a big like bougie foodie. So like I I like to like when I'm cooking at home, I try to make things like whole wheat or from scratch, like using healthy fats and all that bullshit. But like I've made healthy or like real butter popcorn. It's just not as good as the chemicals at the theater. Oh, Sarah, have you been to that micro cinema in Minneapolis? No, is it what's is it called micro cinema or what's it called? Oh, it might be actually. I don't know. I had an ex-girlfriend whose family moved out there, so we went out there a couple of times and I saw um not Le Cirque, well maybe it was Le Cirque Rouge. It was some Jean-Pierre Melville film and it was playing there and it was like I wish there was actually a, there was supposed to be a micro cinema opening in Philly. There was one that was like kind of whatever. It was just like folding chairs and a screen in a abandoned storefront. But there was supposed to be another one opening. But yeah, it was like great. It was like an old school like one cinema. It was a pretty big micro cinema. Oh, like, I think I actually I have. It's tr the Trilon Theater. I think is the name of it. If if this is the same one, does it have like? I'm trying to think. I remember it being like kind of funky in the lobby, like having like a bunch of movie posters and maybe they rented movies too. I don't remember. I don't remember if they rent movies, but uh, if they did, they don't now. But uh, they show a bunch of like underground films. They, they'll do like I just did. A, they did like a Godzilla showing there. They did a bunch of Godzilla movies and I was like, that's my Sunday. So yeah. <laughs> I just went and hung out. I I love like a double or triple feature. Just oh, for like, sure. That's my favorite. They're right next to a coffee shop. Um, yeah. And, I, never I mean, what's better? What's better than that? Right. <laughs> just get caffeinated, run in, drink your whatever you 
snuck in <laughs> whatever drink you snuck in, which is usually at this point, whiskey for me, but, um, <laughs> used to be, used to be, um, like full, like, Oh my God. I remember going to see Grindhouse whenever that first came out. Me too. Like, I saw it at midnight ago. the day it came out. <laughs> see, now we were the only ones, right? There were not a lot of people that went oh, to really? go see that movie, <laughs> but, oh yeah. Um, oh yeah. Cause they had to cut it in half. Yeah. I see the full thing. And then, like, a week later, they were just like, yeah, people don't want to watch this shit. Oh, they did? I didn't remember that because I saw it yeah, twice. I saw it two days in a row. <laughs> I think they released, they, they ended up having to release it separately. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I did well. It was still the grindhouse. And, mm, um, yeah. It was like we snuck in like uh, 30 racks somehow, basically, just, just like in our hoodies, like all over the place. And like the, the while we're like watching the movie, we're like cracking open, drinking beer after beer after beer, being, you know, being uh, polite and putting them yeah. in the bag. Waiting for a scream <laughs> like, to, to pop open the top. <laughs> Somebody was like, it smells like a brewery in here. And we were like, you want to fight? Like we were like literally like about ready to fight. And then this guy was like, my friend's being an asshole. I'm so sorry. Please continue on your oh, night. Wow. And, we, and he was like, come on, we're going outside <laughs> to his friend. And we were like, yeah. You've been an asshole since you turned sober. <laughs> what a goofy, goofy story. But yeah, um, I went to the theater then too. <laughs> I just um I I just started taking stuff in in a in a tote bag now like I don't try and hide anymore like once I when I was yeah, in my early twenties um, I do that too like I remember when I did that when I saw a uh, Punisher Warzone like just having them like hidden in my sleeves and stuff and, you need um, to drink for Warzone that was oh, like a violent movie <laughs> it was hilarious too like I never like I was really drunk but I never like falling out of my seat laughing when like the one guy flipped over the building and then got hit with the rocket launcher <laughs> like, yes <laughs> the action scenes are like for that movie because it was made by somebody who like does like is a martial artist so like the director oh, really? literally lexi alexander is yeah. like a martial artist so all of the fight scenes there's like very few like jump cuts or anything like that so it's all like kind of just excruciating like watching these like horrific <laughs> things happen and Punisher just like walking through like basically that's my favorite Punisher movie because I'm like that's the one where what could be better like with rocket launchers and yeah yeah she got what it could be I mean better? yeah I mean just though it was it was also just like deliberately funny like like the scene where um like in like a hokey way but deliberate like when uh they're down in the basement and he's like i want to see the files on punisher he's like where is like where are they it's like they're all this is all of them it's like an entire it was like the like uh, indiana end of indiana jones with like the warehouse full of boxes like <laughs> uh, we have more than one file on punisher trust yeah. me <laughs> <laughs> um have any of you guys ever smoked pot in the theater because that's a bad habit i've developed <laughs> no no like smoked weed no. uh no i've never smoked anything i smoked before i saw one movie and one movie only and it was only because i didn't have to like drive home or anything and i don't know that i'd do it again in the theater I... you smoked in the theater no 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 i just smoked in my car and then went inside oh, oh i do i do it all, all the time, time. I do that, I've yeah. I, and but it was um it was I, Tanya, the uh, Tanya <laughs> Harding movie. How was that? It was high? pretty funny. It was pretty yeah. funny. Hi, I enjoyed it. Yeah. Cause like I've gotten this bad habit now where like I actually like I have a vaporizer, so like I'll especially post COVID, just vaping into my mask. <laughs> like... uh, okay, yeah. I, I know what you mean. I used to do uh I used to go to the movies and uh, with ketamine a lot. <laughs> oh my god. Um, I did that a lot. Uh, 
<laughs> just go into a K-hole while watching, like Yeah, and it was always uh, like it was always like the most like lush, like like piece of shit. Like I like like a Fast and Furious movie or <laughs> um like one of the like the later Star Wars stuff. Oh uh, okay. Like, never anything where like I felt like I had to follow the plot. <laughs> just watch the lasers fly by yeah and but like i like I'm, I'm i'm not even a big fan of ketamine but it was a it was, it was a crowd i was running with and like i would just like be like what would it be like if i was dead right now like, yeah just imagine you being like, a hole watching the great gatsby or something exactly exactly like like it's like fucking i don't know some stormtrooper or some shit gets gets exploded i'm like I wonder what that feels like. <laughs> um, yeah, sorry, I have no way to segue out of that. <laughs> Let's talk about um, it's it's getting to be spooky season soon. Let's talk about horror movies. Oh yeah, your I read your article on uh, um or the essay on Gaily Dreadful. Um, the personal, yeah, the, the, the one, personal piece, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, very seldom does that piece get brought up to me. Really, so I'm glad really? you checked it out. I, one. One, I think we all read it because we were all thought it was yeah. the most interesting thing. Like we thought everything we were doing was interesting, but like that was the one that struck all of us. Like, oh, that's a very cool subject. That's something actually. The um, they do, uh, yeah. Gaily Dreadful does every single year. What is it? Gaily Helpful, I believe, is the name of it, <laughs> and they're raising money for the Trevor Project. Nice. And every year just brings like thousands of dollars in for pride, right? Like it's kind of their uh, extravaganza. Nice. I don't know if they are doing it like now, um, but yeah, Terry is a wonderful person, very kind. And um, it's such a helpful thing. I've only been able to do it this one time because nine times out of 10, I'm busy with like working for corporations, <laughs> yeah. but um I loved doing that piece because it was something not only that was just like a decent like project mm -hmm. and then also on top of it i got to kind of talk about like why horror matters to me right yeah it was really horror. cool the there was a line in in there that that struck me um was uh, i think you, you you mentioned something about um horror being uh i, I think you said inherently queer mm, yeah. yeah yeah i think so i really um, do do you mean then specifically like a uh, sexuality or gender context or just like in a kind of like otherness sort of way, like just a general otherness? Certainly. I mean, I think in both respects, right? Because you have the otherness, right? Which mm -hmm. I think, you know, that means, of course, like not only queer people love horror. <laughs> but it's something yeah. where you uh it's for outsiders it's for kind of weirdos for the most part not always now because i think that it's kind of infiltrated the mainstream in a really mm -hmm. successful way um yeah. that's probably been true for most of my adult life but i think that when horror is successful like a lot of times my favorite horror films will be something like hellraiser where yeah. it's like not only is sure. it created by a gay person but it's very important that there is like context of you know, HIV, the eighties, leather culture, like all of that is stuff that not necessarily every person who watches it needs to know. But if you are a queer person and you have a knowledge of queer history mm -hmm. and you're like, well, Clyde Barker was living through like the AIDS crisis at this point and seeing, you know, I'm sure so many of his friends pass and all of this. And then you have Frank, right. Who's this person right. who's just like addicted to desire and like all of this kind of <laughs> you know, kind of interesting context for it. So for me, um, it's kind of hard to separate out my love of horror and my queerness, right? Mm -hmm. Like it's kind of hard 
to see where one ends and one begins. And I think that that's kind of what I meant by that was basically that horror is inherently queer because a lot of times it is asking you to question gender hmm. and it's asking you to question, you know, like what your orientation is in some way, right? Like what, um, <laughs> you know, what, how many horror movies are, is like the nuclear family, like the horror story, right? right. So yeah, absolutely. it's like kind of like that where it's like, of course it applies to many different situations. If you're like a kid who had a shitty dad or something, I'm sure you could <laughs> identify with a ton of horror movies just based on that alone. Um, I was queer and had a shitty dad. <laughs> so <laughs> horror is made for me, but I was definitely thinking about that a lot because when I think it's, when I, I think horror is at its least successful is whenever it's kind of trying to tow the company line, right? Whenever it's kind of trying to tell you, like, it's reaffirming, you know, things instead of yeah. kind of questioning them. It makes me like, think of, like, any of... flash movie that's kind of doing that, like, kind of reaffirming a lot of the, like, the Reagan-era conservatism of, like, sex is bad and all that shit. Yeah. And like at times there's ones where it's like this is kind of like the reaction to that. But then there's definitely mm. many instances in which it is. Yeah. Sex is bad. Um, you die. Yeah. <laughs> you literally die. Um, and yeah, I, I always think that there's something to be said for that. Of course, there's many queer creators who do horror. I am a queer creator who creates horror. Yeah. And, you know, there's very literal interpretations of that. Right. Mm. But then if you go into all of the different, you know, movies or people like read like queerness into it. Right. Because I <laughs> remember watching the birds when I was a kid and I was like, this movie is terrifying. And then whenever I watch it as an adult, I'm like, Annie's a lesbian. <laughs> like, <laughs> and it's terrifying yeah. because the lesbian's going to die. You know it, but like, you're just like, she's gay. Like, mm. look at that cardigan. <laughs> like, <laughs> no straight woman would wear that shade of red it's, it's just <laughs> oh. isn't gonna happen anyway but what's um, up do you, do you think that play <laughs> i'm curious like what what a factor do you think all these male straight male directors that don't understand women plays into that then <laughs> yeah because well well, I mean, Hitchcock is a great example, right? Yeah, because that's what I'm queerness in general, there's a ton. Like, rope is definitely like <laughs> lots of queer subtext between those guys. Yeah, sure. Um, in life as well, right? It was based on Leopold and Loeb, and sometimes you're oh. kind of like, mm, I have questions, but <laughs> <laughs> they're just like, we were just soulmates, and it's like, does <laughs> what does that mean to you? Um, but <laughs> you have kind of this uh like rope of course you have uh mrs danvers classically right in uh rebecca and then um annie in the birds i would say is probably the most helpful version of a hitchcock lesbian but yeah most of the time they're uh complete sketch balls <laughs> like yeah. they're the killers the yeah. other you know like all of those things and you know there's so much to be said about that i think it goes back i mean look at you know something like Dracula or something like so much of Dracula is kind of um, the foreign, you know, like right. there's so much of him coming from overseas, like, you know, kind of situation where you, it adds an, an extra context to it. However, also the fact that he like lives alone in a castle, like that's such a gay thing to do. So I think that, and of course is like in love with Jonathan, right? Like we don't need to get right. too far yeah. into that but is in love with jonathan um 
and they had to change that part for the movie because it's like no it's like Winona Ryder and it's just, <laughs> just like, like in the book he's like in love with Jonathan like straight up he's following him like across the ocean mm. anyway I digress but <laughs> yeah I think that there is something about it it's like it applies to many different identities I think because I think that if you're looking at queer identities there's a lot of things that I can say yes as inherently like a queer story but then I think it also applies to basically anybody who is treated as like the other right like any person yeah. who's kind of um approaching it from that angle like you're just like oh and then of course if you're not then like there's this kind of aspect of like they're the ones who are coming to get me like that's kind <laughs> of like how it is in a lot of these and of course there's it's like this is such like a we can necessarily only have a very surface level conversation on this because if we were to go into it this conversation would be like 48 hours long right, right? There's something I hadn't even really considered until you were talking was um, just the idea of like these, like the main character is generally faced with a situation that he wasn't or he or she wasn't expecting that doesn't make sense. And you have to reorient their entire worldview around this new scenario. Like, yeah. Um, and how often is that? Right. Like you yeah. have the uh, it's always the straight laced dad. Right. Because people always give so much guff to like the teen girl who like trips while she's running away from a serial <laughs> mm. killer. But I'm like, we should be giving that level of ire to the dads of horror who are just like, it's fine. This yeah, house nothing. is not haunted. Yeah. Stop yeah you're, you're hearing things. things. The, the hearing fucking gaslighting things. patriarch. <laughs> I, that, I, part, I like... that character is responsible for the most deaths in horror. Like for Absolutely. Sure. <laughs> I like I like I like the idea that like the inherent queerness of horror is actually just something that is that's read and that's not necessarily like authorially communicated, but it's something that is like that is perceived. Yeah. I, I it made me think of like um rob sent us your uh your zine the uh, how to be a lesbian vampire <laughs> movie which is which is awesome it was, it was fantastic and um you're uh uh one thing that i think that i kept thinking about was that um there's all this like these queer readings that like are in these movies but at the same time they all kind of have to fall back there's like a contradiction within itself where it has to kind of fall back onto kind of conservative morales of like they have to they have to kill the lesbian at the end and, and shit like that so it's like there's like an internal struggle like yeah. between the queerness and like the status quo it seems like i think so too yeah and i think that it, what better subgenre does that get explored than in the lesbian vampire because mm. <laughs> it's definitely just like of course she's always super predatory right she's always yeah. like stalking hanging out in the shadows finding this person who's like just trying to be a good wife just trying mm. to do what's right and then is just like you know comes the, right the, after the corrupting her. girlfriend stealer which amazing is, yeah. organ music yeah. while it's happening oh, yeah. right right absolutely yeah yeah that's always the, i mean and that's the thing i love that character right like every time we have a countess nadine or mm. <laughs> carmila or any of them um you know it's always a character that i'm just it's like you can't help but be entranced by this character because everybody yeah. else in the movie is so goddamn boring right so <laughs> you love this character because you're just like i know that this is wrong <laughs> like right. she's doing she's actively doing wrong things committing murders like killing women across the countryside um yeah. <laughs> ruining but, um, marriages which seems like ooh. a very small like that's like the first step but then like way yeah. beyond there's many other things happening but i, I, I like 
Oh, I'm sorry. Go on. No, please. Oh, you know, I was just going to say, I like that you, you really kind of focused on that trope of um, like they, they steal somebody's girlfriend and then like that guy, like the, the cuckold has to go and get revenge. It's like, <laughs> it's like classic, like Shakespearean where like all the dramas like are based on like usurpation or like, you know, or something like they're, 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 they're like a challenge to the title of like, you know, monarch or patriarch or whatever. And it's almost saying like, <laughs> yeah, don't it's like, think it's about like, this because like it can't work. Yeah, yeah it's like, this, <laughs> right. I'm showing you that like, exactly. if this cannot yeah. work. You cannot be lesbians. Like the lesbian <laughs> will simply drain your blood from you. You mm. cannot do it. I know it seems like, because there's something to you about like the like intoxicating nature of it, where it's just like, they're so um, enthralled by this yeah. woman. And it's so they make like, it so dreamy. <laughs> yes they have to yeah. make it super dreamy and then the mm. girl's like what oh where's my husband i don't where's my husband and <laughs> you're just like girl your husband is not here today um yeah. was that was that like the only way that they could like uh like justify like how like how this romance was and like in like in the 60s and stuff like because i feel like if they were just like sitting and talking like normal people without like all the soft crazy lighting and stuff like <laughs> It, like they they wouldn't they like they wouldn't stand for that yeah <laughs> it would, it would, like, yeah like there's no way have them like right? interacting normally yeah you have to have this like morality story behind it right which is always like mm-hmm. it goes back to to like femme fatales or anything like that where it's like a lot of the femme fatales are extremely queer coded as well because they're just like i just hate the men right, and right, you're just like right. this is yeah they're fun. operating outside um, the patriarchy yeah, yeah and <laughs> what happens in every one of those movies is she must die right yeah. so like <laughs> they definitely yeah. are going to kill her by the end same yeah. with the lesbian vampire. There's no way she's surviving that. And of course, many of her girlfriends aren't going to survive it either. But the one <laughs> who will survive is the one who's just like, no, I'm like still like the wife, right? And like, I'm going to help <laughs> yeah. my husband. Yeah. We're going to yeah. take revenge and like all of this. I didn't, so I, didn't, I, think- I didn't walk down down that far in the rosy path. <laughs> yeah. You come back. Yeah, I'm, I'm still like able to backtrack. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I remember in season one of Stranger Things, they reversed that trope because um, the the like good girl, like virgin Barb died instead of the girl who just had sex with her boyfriend. And oh, like, I right. was like, I was like, what? And like, I, everybody was really mad that Barb died because she was like a nice actress and everything. But I was like, I'm glad they didn't kill the girl who had sex. Yeah, we've done it too many times. Yeah. We got We got to kill one of these women. Like, <laughs> let's just pick the different one. One is gone. Like, yeah. That's true. A woman still had to die. Yeah. I don't know. I didn't watch. I, I haven't seen certain things. So I, I'm sure it, maybe oh, it's contextual, like it, super contextual. Like, I don't know. It's because, especially like the later seasons. It I've, gets, I've heard. It, I've heard. Yeah. I've, okay. I've heard, of the, I've heard of that. Um. Well, actually, back on the vampire lesbian films, everything. I forget. I I sent them the vampire zine but I, I i didn't get a chance to read it again but i have you talked much about like does arthurial intent matter to you with these arthurial intent i'm not saying i think i'm saying that wrong but uh authorial intent yeah because it's like mostly guys <laughs> making these right like uh yeah. Jesus, jesus uh what's his name and everything yeah franco and then you have yeah. um god uh vedum did one yeah. a lot of those guys are kind of scumbags right so yeah, yeah. kind of like well, they're all like, italian so <laughs> literally like 
European B-movie directors of the 1970s, you know, like I'm assuming we're dealing with scumbags. Right. <laughs> so um, I think too, though, that, I mean, no, in some ways it's just like, it's also repetitive of Carmilla, right? So like, it's right. um, like a story from like the 17, like late 1700s essentially is like kind of just, it's repeated over films. I think mm-hmm. the ones that, are the most interesting to me usually like I love blood spattered bride like that one is probably the best one and that one is intended with a feminist commentary like the director did intend because at the end it's like everybody gets decapitated right it's like an absolute bloodbath um and I think like a lot of people of course especially today right where we have kind of uh like most nuance kind of zipped from like, um, you know, cultural conversations whenever it comes to like movies and books right. and things like that. Um, people are like, that made me feel a way. I hate it, you know, yeah. like, <laughs> our, and here's why, you know, but like never is it like, oh, it just straight up made me uncomfortable to actually have to engage with these topics, yeah. which I think is what horror is supposed to do generally. <laughs> but something like Blood Spattered Bride, it's like, she is a lesbian like that it's like you don't have that very much right like yeah. usually it'll yeah. be like well she's a predatory is like the main thing right and in blood mm. spattered bride it's like the woman who is the victim of the vampire has all of this extra agency and it's disturbing it's uncomfortable it's hard to watch there's a lot of violence you know there it like opens on like a Uh, like a pretty disturbing scene I'm gonna say so it's one of those where you're just like trigger warning trigger warning it's from the (laughs) 70s the 70s are essentially all every every horror movie from the 70s (laughs) comes with like every trigger warning known to man right (laughs) it's all funded by the mafia and it's all just some weird orthodontist who wanted to make a movie (laughs) like right yeah yeah it's like that (laughs) but that was kind of the thing was it um with Blood Spattered Bride, I think that the thing that makes it great is the fact that there was an overarching commentary on it, mm. right? So director yeah. intent actually really does matter in some sort of circumstances because you can kind of see it in the movie. I mean, the movie is, once mm. again, just straight up a bloodbath. It's right. the Blood Spattered Bride. It's, <laughs> you're not getting out of here without blood spatters but yeah. it is also um kind of feminist and kind of pro-queer in surprising ways <laughs> like whenever you watch it because you're like it's a woman who is trapped in her marriage like there's a there's so many like kind of allegorical scenes like there's a scene where she puts herself she's trying to get away from her husband's like sexual advances and she closes this uh the cage like she's puts herself in a bird cage so that he can't get to her and Mm. he's like walking around the bird cage and she's just like turning with him it's so upsetting (laughs) yeah but that's the thing is like it's upsetting in a way that i think um it works on a lot of different levels right like there's the actual terror of that scene but then you're also like she doesn't want this guy near her and she was like stuck in this marriage and like he immediately brings her to a castle in the middle of nowhere so at that point the the lesbian vampire though predatory (laughs) is kind of a boon right like you're like that's about as good as it was going to get and then at the end she's basically like i'm a lesbian i'm going to kill all the men (laughs) and and it's like i mean in your circumstance in your specific circumstance i think that that's actually pretty understandable i feel like in some modern like horror films too that try 
like made by straight white men usually that try to incorporate queer like at least like feminist and queer women stuff into it it usually ends up feeling a bit too cloying to me anyway i know yeah, yeah. Like, and there's isn't there this new kind of tendency where everybody is like, this is a feminist horror movie, but then you watch right. it and you're like, what was feminist about that exactly? Right. Like, Have I they remember talking about feminism. Yeah, <laughs> did like, they? You know, like I think yeah. uh, I watched like uh, what was it, Ready or Not or something, and everybody was like, this like feminist movie, and then I was like, this is a good movie. Like I enjoyed yeah. it. I don't think this is a feminist it's movie. Just- it's just not misogynist or like yeah or what's less misogynist than it than horror used to be or something she didn't get murdered yeah when for feminism i guess it's the other thing is Yay. like they trip and fall less too like like mm-hmm. that's sort yeah. of what makes it feminist at times like oh well they're 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 more competent they're as, capable yeah, yeah, they're, yeah. They're competent. yeah 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 they run so good yeah <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> Yeah, they have good diction now. Um. Yeah, very oh, weird. God. I was very surprised by that one, where I was kind of like everybody was like, "Z must see feminist horror film of the year," and I'm just like, two guys made it. This woman's still mm-hmm. being terrorized." Yeah. Like, yeah, she doesn't die. I mean, and honestly, she's a heroic character. It was just an odd one to me because I was like, we don't have to do this every time there's like a woman in a horror movie right. who doesn't die, right? You don't have to be like a win. Yeah. And I mean, I'll see stuff on Shutter sometimes. They'll just be like, like, I get that they're trying. It feels more like it's like a calling card for themselves just to say like, hey, I- I'm a good guy. Like, yeah. just yeah. a typical male feminist thing. Like, <laughs> yeah, um, I It almost feminism- seems like. Oh. oh, no, go on, go on. That was it. Yeah, I was basically. Oh, okay. Just- yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah like yeah like i i feel like in contrast like the the movies that you were talking about in in your zine and stuff just how like uh we're talking about authorial intent like sometimes i feel like when it when you like when you it, like the reading of it kind of goes against the authorial intent that makes it kind of more interesting of representation like like i think of like nightmare in elm street 2 how like the, <laughs> the the director and like the screenwriter like were very very adamant that this was not there was no homosexual like undertones oh, whatsoever. Yeah, they were like they were like vehement about it for huh. a long time. Yeah, for a like, long time. Yeah. But then they like switched, yeah. right? Like yeah, um, like yeah, recently. I, I, yeah, I think after that documentary was made, uh, yeah. Scream, Scream Queen, I think. Um, I, I never but, um Freddie Merc uh, Freddie uh, documentary yeah. though. But like you watch it, and it's like it's it's clearly the gayest thing like in that franchise and it's it's great it's great that way like if you were to like if you like were limiting yourself to like oh well like the author has like the final say in whether or not like what this means and they tell you like no this is not gay you just have to like sit and watch it and, like oh yeah that scene that's clearly gay that's not gay. like <laughs> I, don't, like, I don't understand yeah yeah and that move the documentary is really good so i think a lot it's good to watch that one it also uh kind of talks a lot about what it was like to be a gay man right in hollywood in the 80s you you know dealing with like you know just watching so many of your friends die and things like that um yeah it's heavy stuff but it was Mm -hmm. nice actually to get to see him share what he went through i guess like it is a really interesting doc that's a great documentary that's like a lot of my friends will make these like jokes to each other where it's like (laughs) i watched like mayor of east town and i was like this is gay because kate winslet puts one hand in a pocket while she's like (laughs) sitting down so it's like there's definitely times where you're like you're reading it's just like if you're queer right you're like just seeing everything 
you just everybody is queer in some yeah. way <laughs> what were you talking about like you, you you can't it's hard to divorce like or hard to separate like your identity from your reading of of what you're looking at yeah yeah i'm uh i'm curious like do you think that's just like do you think the younger generations are also going to be doing that because it seems like there's a lot more openly queer people and gen z and everything and then with every subsequent generation like and right now at least there is so much queer stuff in film and television right now at least television maybe not as much film except for like bros but uh like i wonder if they're going to be reading into it as much or if they are reading into it as much or if that's just the training that like people from our generation have like that's just all there was since the 30s or the 20s like (laughs) yeah that I have the same question, right? Like there's, um, <laughs> yeah, I think of what I was watching as a kid and it's like, um, wild things, <laughs> you know, or like, um, just like movies that were so salacious, basic instinct mm-hmm. or something where it's like the, they sit on each other's lap at a party. So yeah. they are fucking for sure. <laughs> um, <laughs> You have, but like, it's left to your imagination for the most part, but a lot of the things that were confirmed were very much that, right? Um, Kind of just, you had to read between the lines and I don't know if you do as much now. However, even with the influx of queer content, I'm still reading between the lines. So (laughs) I I can only imagine, it's hard for me to say. Yeah, I just imagine like kids growing up like on Euphoria and stuff. Like yeah. if they're gonna be reading between lines or to be like, like, what are you talking about? Like they're they're they would have said they're gay. They would have kissed each other well, if they were gay. Like, well, at the same time though, I I I know like when I was growing up, a lot of like there were a lot of guys around me who read like read everything sexually, like oh, in yeah. a sexual way. Even though like you know heteronormative like heteronormative yeah. sexuality was That's like cool. is the dominant narrative like. They will still insert that into everything because that's what they're obsessed about. Yeah. So I don't know if like the like the the presence of like things being more explicit like kind of washes away the implicitness of things. I don't know. Hmm. Well, I mean, you do have to keep in mind that when we're talking about there being so much queer content now, it is still a pretty limited viewpoint on queerness, right? So right. you have um a complete disparity between like uh white cis lesbians like me and um you know like a trans lesbian or you know uh non-binary characters those are they're popping up every now and again but it's just Mm -hmm. not nearly as uh not nearly as prevalent and i think that the reason behind that is is that a lot of people have kind of been able to accept homosexuality as being something where it's like it's the same as a like very strict like man and wife situation, but it just happens yeah. to be yeah like, like this like and Supreme this. Court case. It's a very basic substitution. Well, yeah. let me know when they have a polyamorous character that isn't a horrible slut or in a terribly toxic situation. We can't you do got it. Cult leaders, yeah. Yeah, that's, that's pretty true. much all you, you get. Have, Your representation is cult leaders. You have the angle of cult leaders, and you know, jealous. But <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna say, yeah, that um, that is kind of it, right? Is is that there is a very, very strict viewpoint. Like people aren't mm-hmm. using queer stories necessarily to do the things that the queer community is so 
prone to do, which is like questioning gender, questioning orientation, questioning like uh, structures of power, like power structures, like power systems uh, within relationships, you know, like all of this kind of thing. I think that those are things that, you know, overall mainstream media really continues to struggle with. I guess that's true. Yeah. I mean, like usually like, especially like the sort of horror stuff I'm talking about, it's usually just sort of like just being very upfront. Like these two people are gay. Look at them make out. And it's never like anything beyond that. Like they could just be two cis women. They could be two straight women that are just making out for them. Like, and it wouldn't mm -hmm. be different. Um, yeah. Yeah. yeah, And especially because it is often like, oh, these two people are so horny for each other. And that's kind of like what the structure of queerness is. However, right. being a queer person, obviously, there's a lot more to it than just like who you want to kiss or like something yeah. like that. So it's just kind of like a more comp. It's just intrinsically more complicated than what I think a lot of mainstream media is currently capable of addressing. Um, but I do appreciate that there have been strides made, right? So right. you do see at least some pushback against it. However, I do think that in, in that regard, in that specific regard, A, everything that we've gained so far is always in threat of being taken away because yeah. you have, uh, you know, libraries are closing down because they carry queer books and things like that. And like the levels of harassment that people are getting are just too much for the mostly LGBTQ yeah. um, staff to deal with, you know? And like, um, that's the kind of thing where it's like, it does still feel very tentative. I'm not sure if, you know, Gen Z, <laughs> I can't, I can't really say that Gen Z has it in any way easier, right? Because right, of, of all of the problems. But then it's also like, I also don't know that they're always going to have this access. Like, I don't know that I'm going to or that they're going to. Yeah. I mean, I guess the thing that's with some up what I was trying to, what I was thinking is like, basically, I guess, based on everything you've said too, it, honing in, it's basically, it's just like the inverse. Now, like there's queer people in films, but the films are less queer. <laughs> yeah. No, that's like, that's a huge thing that because sense, um, yeah. wow. it's kind of similar with like, wow. I, I'm a big X-Men fan. Yeah. And so uh, now like the, the X-Men have like kind of a plot line where like they all live on Krakoa, which is like the mutant island and they're kept away from like, or they, they uh, intentionally separate themselves from the rest of humanity. And, um, you know, there's complexity to that. They have a lot of new queer characters and those are all landmark things because they're mm -hmm. characters who for like 40 years, we've all been like, they're gay, right? And like, they just never were. So them coming out is really important, but it does in, at some moments, and I don't think that this is true across the board, but at some moments, I think that fans do feel that way where they go, so there is queer characters, but the queer <laughs> themes of like having to struggle with your identity are like gone right mm -hmm. um like uh, he, Iceman he's out he's gay he's happy and it's like but in the 80s he was not out and him being closeted was actually a super interesting story right because right. you were dealing with somebody who really hated himself and that's not necessarily what we want all gay characters in film to be or in comics to be you know or in books to be but we it's like you have to have kind of this like wider understanding like you have to see a larger community at work right because there's so many different queer people in this world like you it, it's such a theoretically tentative 
like joining point, right? Yeah. <laughs> Which I think is why there's like so much um, like infighting, <clears throat> I guess. But then it's also the fact that like, I mean, so many of our experiences really are different, but what we tend to have in common is that at some point we probably, you know, like wanted not to be who we were, I guess. Right. Yeah. Uh, I guess this, this kind of relates back to, well, uh, I think my favorite piece that I read of yours so far was the, um, the, the, the essay that she wrote uh, about the raincoats. Oh, yeah. Oh, God, that was beautiful. It was like <laughs> heartbreaking. I, I like it, it, like I, I, I love like, you no know, punk has like such like a kind of like aggressive kind of yeah. persona and stuff. But like it's it's such a teenage thing. And like and it hit me like at such a tender moment when I was a kid. Like, like I, I love that piece. Uh, is is that like um when you talk about like horror kind of being inherently clear, would you say the same thing like kind of about punk rock as well? Or like, is there like a, a relation yeah. between those two things? Huh. That's interesting. Yeah. I don't, it's like, I wonder about that because I feel like anytime I was in music scenes, they were predominantly not queer. Like I uh, mm. remember being like amongst a group of pals and um, I would be the only gay one. Right. And that's not reflective of every community, but that's just the situation that I was in. So in some ways it's like my interactions with punk were certainly queer. Like I always, mm -hmm you know, loved all of these different characters, you look at something like the raincoats and like you say, punk has this like aggression kind of, and that's true. But then you also have something like the raincoats where they're wearing like mm -hmm. soft, fuzzy sweaters and like, you know, have cute bangs and like right, you know, yeah. are writing love songs and like, but then also writing that song, what's that song? Uh, OD shape, right? Like there's a song on mm -hmm. there that's just like, go away, I feel mm -hmm. insane. And like, that's like the only lyrics to the song. And it's just like kind of scary and like chaotic. Yeah. Um, and that band, right, was too much for punks. Like punks were like, oh, right. we can't do the raincoats. Like we can deal with anybody else, but not the raincoats. And I think that there's something to be said for all of that. But I think that that thanks for bringing that essay up because I loved writing that essay. And it was one of the ones like my favorite parts, my favorite writing is always the one where I'm like, I'm going to write this with the specific intent to like make somebody tear up whenever they're reading it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And like, that was kind of like what the whole aim of that piece, because I think about the raincoats and I do cry because I'm like, yeah. they're so such a beautiful band. Like they make so much beautiful music. I have so much personal history with it. And, you know, having read the essay, like, or having written the essay from my perspective, it's, it was such a reflection on like, I can't possibly divorce queerness, you know, from yeah. my enjoyment of the raincoats. <clears throat> it was such a cool thing. Like I, I, I didn't get into the raincoats until like later, like college or something like that. But reading that reminded me of like, when I was like in high school and like really loved, like I was like a hardcore kid, but I really loved Beat Happening yeah. because they were so like soft and like, and, and kind of tender. And like, uh, like I had like relationships where like, we'd like listen to Indian Summer and stuff. Like it's a very, like, it's, mm. it's not just all about like that cathartic kind of violence that you get in the pit. Like and I still assert that Beat Happening's punk, yeah. Yeah. And that's it. It is punk. That's the thing. Rain. What is more punk than showing up to a punk venue in the seventies as the raincoats, right? Like exactly. yeah. it's like, it's like the seventh layer of hell essentially. And they're just like walking <laughs> in and they're like, we're going to do like soft, yeah. weird jazz, like, or something. Yeah. That's like an that. invitation to getting beer bottles thrown at you and yeah. spit on like, that's, that's like, that's heavy. 
Yeah, I think so. And I feel that way about a lot of those bands where it's like, yeah, who got more punks got infuriated at beat happening, right? Like they were like, get out of here. (laughs) I love beat happening. Me too. Oh, the best. Yeah. And that's punk. That's just as punk as anything. Like that's Mm. kind of the thing. Right. So it's like in, even when you hear like super aggressive, angry punk music, like, doesn't that just reflect like hurt, right? Like it's people who are hurt, who are angry. Like you don't be angry without being hurt first. Right. So it's kind of those two emotions are very interconnected in a way that I think that like, you know, people don't really think about, but even if you yeah. listen to like, something like black flag or something, when Henry Rollins is singing, I mean, you're like, this yeah, guy is like the... shattered. <laughs> yeah. Every, like, I think like, yeah, like, I mean, they have the fucking song depression. It's like, like they, like they were even just explicit about it. Yeah. That's funny about be happening though, because I think of most of their songs as being like, like sweater, like, uh, I see oh. him wearing my sweater. I figure what the heck I might as well let her. Yeah. <laughs> Just sort of like hurt, but just sort of like, yeah, but I'm going to move on. Um, there was a darkness to their music, but like a real, real darkness. Like, he's I mean, a strange was, person, like, too. Yeah. <laughs> I met him, yeah. With him. Yeah, he's yeah, like same, a yeah. Very odd, kind of enigmatic human being. So, yeah, I, 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 I saw him play and I went to talk to him after. Oh, I went to buy something off him after. It was taking forever because he had this little PayPal thing that was like terrible. And, uh, I, we just started like reciting facts about movies at each other until like we just sort of just started staring at each other like we're not having a conversation like let's just walk yeah. away now i think i was i was I, yeah i talked to him at the merch stand and we just started talking about how vinyl's coming back you <laughs> didn't have, they didn't have any like it was him and uh sharon cheslow from chalk circle like she did a solo set and it was just them two the table like there was no there wasn't even any i don't think there were any records on the table there's no vinyl <laughs> like i don't know how he started talking about it. Uh, he had he had just done like a really sleepy set where he like just kind of played acoustic guitar and wandered around and oh, sang his cool. like sad little folk songs yeah uh, the whole the whole crowd just sat down <laughs> um all right i guess we can wrap up there if anybody else has anything else um i just uh, yeah i this is going back way back, but I actually just did a uh, an art a piece about ba- the most banned books of like the the past school year, and like over half were featured LGBTQ like queer characters, and of like the top fifty because there was a much bigger list of like five hundred of like the top fifty I did. It was like I think all but like two or three were either about characters like racism or like lgbtq characters well the most yeah. banned book is a uh, genderqueer right yep i yeah. talked to uh that person <laughs> on instagram to get permission <laughs> yeah for their photo yeah would you mind sending me that piece because i'd love to sure it's not it. live yet it's still being edited okay but I'll, sure. send it. I'll send it as soon as it's live it's okay. um really sad you can look up the the stats pen america keeps track of how often books are banned in america and gender queer is one where it's just like that's just straight up helping kids like there's yeah not... that, it's insane it's there was yeah. some where they're like wow. this is too sexual or and we're like like and it's like not it's just like here's a queer person existing like and any other straight teen girl like you know boy relationship it would have been fine um 
but yeah, these were like that one is literally just like education and it's still yeah. it's so I expensive mean, to people. That's yeah. what the Nazis did, right? Like that was like one of the things that they burned the most was like the the German Institute for like uh, sexual and gender studies. Yeah, it's a we're in a very bleak era of banning things yeah. right now. Yeah. And um it's that's gotten why a lot worse. I think everybody uh you can combat that by you know doing purchases where you're like you know, if I buy a book, I'm going to buy this or this, you know, instead, um, or like, you know, by just supporting queer creators, supporting yeah. characters, like any creators of color as well, because as you noted, uh, anything that's like critical race theory is like very much under attack as well. Um, that means like they're trying to suck history out. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like, that's scary stuff. That's like mortifying. So I, um, we can't do much, you know, you can show up to the protest, you can do this and that, but I'd say definitely like supporting the creators like while yeah. they're here with us is important because I, I'm a terrifying. parent. So I, yeah, I'm a parent. So I feel like I have a little more like credence. Like if you're a parent, you can show up if yeah. anybody's like in your County is like, let's ban these books. You need to show up and be like, and I hate doing parent shit. Like I fucking hate doing like school board, but there's something about there's something I'm going to have to attend here in Virginia. Currently, they're trying to ban uh, what they they're trying to change where like teachers have to legal like whatever the student's legal gender name is. They have to call them that they're trying to make that a rule. So like it's unsafe for queer kids at school. And so I'm yeah. going to have to go get my ass over to that meeting, too. So <laughs> it's, it's fucking ridiculous. It's yeah. Also like a, like, Nicknames are going to be a yeah. You can't be that anymore. too. Yeah. <laughs> I know. Yeah. Did you just yeah. call my son Matt? <laughs> yeah. Mikey? My, yeah. My my Michelangelo kid goes by his middle name. My oldest goes by his middle name. So and he uh, hates his first name. He's probably going to change it legally as soon as he is old enough. It's his dad's fault. But yeah, my laptop is about to die. So I just wanted to say okay, that real quick. And we should stop the recording. <laughs> 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 Thank you.